magic to it. When I'm at Ramah, I am home. Hi, I'm Talia. I'm a counselor madricha at Camp Ramah in California, and I'm sitting down with the wonderful Ariella Mosquitosile. Uh, she's our incredible director at Camp Ramah in California. So thank you so much for virtually sitting down with me or, you know, whatever we want to call this Zoom situation. Um, with all the craziness that's going on right now, it's really nice to sit down with someone and have an intentional conversation, kind of just take time out of the news updates and being pulled here and there and just sit and think. So great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you uh, so much, Talia. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for asking me. And I agree. It's really, really, really nice to take a break. Um, I'm, I'm loving the work that I'm doing, even in this craziness um, and the weight of kind of some of the decisions and all that. But um, whenever somebody reaches out, uh, and apologizes for reaching out amidst this craziness, I always say, no, no, this is exactly what I want to be doing right now. Um, so thank you for giving me a little interruption. That's the intentional kind of interruption that we want in uh, these roles that we play. So thanks. I'm happy to. Uh, let's start with how all conversations seem to start with these days. Where are you? Who are you with? And how are you? Great question. Um, so I am actually at Camp Ramon, California, um, Fun, in Ojai, hey. California. Um, it was a little bit of a demi-cre by chance, kind of when this all started. My kids had a few days off of school planned for student conferences. We were supposed to have an ECC family camp weekend that we run with the LA Jewish Federation here. So um, my family, um, Nahum, uh, and my kids, Mia, Shachar, and Adi, we had all planned to come up anyhow. And we were here. And then on Sunday, we heard from their school that school that week would be online. That was that um, week right after Purim. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, maybe we don't rush home if they have online school. And then we've uh, ended up being here for most of uh, this period. It's just um, ended up being a, a blessing both to be able to kind of be immersed in the camp work um, that became very hectic over the last couple of months and uh, for my family to be able to be in a place where we can be outdoors and also really I think um, because usually our time at camp as a family is not so much spent as a family because it's craziness and summer so it's been a, a nice little silver lining um, to be able to have special time with my family even amidst the craziness um, at camp and uh, working to try to get more people to this camp very soon so um, so I'm here with uh, uh, Nachum uh, my husband and my kids, uh, Mia Shachar and Adi, and um, socially distanced from us are uh, my colleague, uh, Rabbi Joe, and his family, who have also been here for most of the time. So that's where I am. That sounds great. Everyone's you know, talking about how like they're small spaces and they're like tiny apartments or tiny houses or, you know, sharing, you know, three rooms with your six family members, but 
you have all of camp. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a treat. Um, and uh, really, I, I feel blessed that we also have a great space in LA, which I saw you at for my yeah. uh, <laughs> getting some kosher food. Uh, we go back and forth a little. But um, yeah, it's it's been great. And I think it's been nice for our operations staff here to have some presence as well. So it's a win-win. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, so you're now director of Ramon California, but didn't start, you didn't start out as a camper, right? So I was never a Hanicha at Camp Ramah. So funny story, actually, my family, um, don't, will will never forget this. Um, so I grew up, uh, my parents made Aliyah. I was born in Berkeley, California. They made Aliyah when I was really young. So I basically grew up in uh, Yerushalayim. And when I was in, I must've been seventh grade or something like that. My, my parents, um, David and Rosalind Moss, started going to Ramah in Wisconsin. My dad was the artist in residence and my mom would actually work. This was way before, this was like in the late eighties. Um, and they were trying to figure out there weren't, you know, Kesher programs or Tikva programs or all that. And my mom would actually work with kids who in the Yehudut classes or things like that couldn't concentrate. Um, so they both went there and went for 12 summers. And their first summer was when I was in seventh grade. I had two older siblings siblings and one younger sibling. So my older siblings were like, we're in high school, we're not going with you. My younger sibling had to go with them. And I had the choice. I'm not sure why it was okay in seventh grade to ask your child if they want to stay alone in Jerusalem or not, but different times. Um, and I was like, why would I ever want to spend my summer with American kids? Um, and I stayed in Israel and just hung out for the Chafesh Agadol for the summer vacation with my friends. So, um, and my younger sister actually went with them for many years. So I never was at Ramah as a Hanicha because uh, I guess I was too Israeli cool for that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then made my way back as, uh, as Tevet, my friend in the army, actually. We were a tight-knit group of, of six women. And she left a note on our bed one morning and said, I gave your name to the Jewish agency um, for us to do shlichut after the army. We were supposed to get out in August. She was like, it will allow us to get out in June of the army. Um, and she left a note on each one of our beds. We did all end up going, but the Jewish agency, I guess, were smart enough that they sent us each to a different Ramah. So I had a friend <laughs> at Ramah, California, a friend at Ramah Berkshire, a friend at Ramah Durham. We like had this whole plan that we thought all six of us would go together. Um, we did not. <laughs> um, and I ended up at Ramah Canada. It was actually Rabbi Mitch Cohen's last summer as director there. So he interviewed me to come on Shlichut. And I remember Rabbi David Soloff, who was the director at Camp Ramah in Wisconsin, was like, are you sure you don't want to come to Wisconsin? And I said, no, that's where my parents went. I want my own <laughs> new camp. Um, and so I ended up going to Ramah, Canada. So I was not a Hanicha, um, but I did uh, end up being a Shlicha there in the summer of 2000, which is crazy that that was 20 years ago. Insane. And you did end up spending all of your summers with American teenagers. I did. I totally, <laughs> that's why my family won't, you know, live this down because funny me, my kids are growing up in America. I spend my summers with American teenagers and I love it. Couldn't love it more. So yeah, story of my life. What are some of your favorite stories of being a uh, Shikha at Camp Ramah in Canada? 
a good question. I have to like dig into my memory. Yeah, I'm sure you um, have like a million of them. But if you million. were to choose like top two or three. Yeah, so you know, I often tell this story because I think it's really what's empowered me to think about the place of Mishlachad in camp. Um, you know, even as an Anglo-Israeli, even as somebody who who knew Ramah through, you know, I mean, my parents met at Ramah in the 60s, like, you know, I had connections to Ramah, but even for me, that first Kites, um, and I loved the people I met at Camp Ramah in Canada, it's an amazing camp, um, but that summer, it was really more about the Mishlachat uh, that I, Mishlachat friends that I met, like that was the magical part really was, you know, it was a little bit having that lens of like coming out of a very serious army service and seeing like, whoa, education can be really serious and fun. I think that was like an aha moment because in the army it was only serious. And I think it took time to, um, adjust to that idea that like we can infuse values, but also like be chill and <laughs> and have fun with it and that that was it was a transition and I think for many shlichim that still is you know they come with such purpose after the army and to be able to kind of wrap your head around the fact that there can be purpose but also like teenagers sneaking off and like you know things like that so um so I think that was like one of the harder parts and still is one of the harder parts for shlichim I think um but for me I think that summer was really about like meeting Israelis that I never would have met. And that was the meaningful experience. And there were some frustrations about like how much the camp utilized us or not, how, how welcome we felt or not, how it seemed like everybody had been there forever. And we were just like those people that came in and out every year. And I always share that story because I never would have come back like just on my own. I kind of felt like it was a one-time experience and it was great and I had great memories. Um, but it was really two summers after that Camp Ramon Canada were in um, a director transition and a great um, guy named Howard Black, we called him HB at camp. He was a good friend of Mitch's and he, he was, he's a lawyer in his real life. And he would just come up to camp for like a week at a time in the summers to be with Mitch, I guess, to be his advisor or I don't know what, um, chief of staff. Um, and he stepped in actually from his like legal work to be an interim director for one year while Canada were looking for directors. And he called me up while I was in Israel and he said, I'm directing this summer. I've never been a director, you know, but I know that Mishlachat and Israel and Hebrew are really important to me. And I remember that two years ago we connected and I'd love for you to come. And at the time I was a student at Hebrew U and I was like, oh my gosh, I could make $1,600 for the summer. That's an amazing job. Like I'll, I'll do it. But it really, I share very honestly that it wasn't because I was compelled to go back to camp. Like I didn't have that connection that, um, you know, you probably have summer after summer. Um, and it was that kites where I was like, I was put on Hanhala and, and, and getting off that bus and having people say, hi, Ariella. And I promised Talia, they were people that two summers ago, I didn't think knew my name, you know? Mm -hmm. And suddenly that feeling of like, oh, wow, maybe I did kind of make an impact or was seen, but I couldn't feel it at the time. Um, and I always talk about that in terms of returning shlichim, like both to the shlichim and to the people at camp, right? Of like how you can give that feeling in the first summer, even though so many shlichim switch over every summer, but also for Mishlachat, that feeling of like getting off the bus your second summer and being kind of, you know, a Ramonic now, it was just like, it was a crazy feeling. And that's really when it kind of established for me that, um, 
I was a Ramonic. So I think that's like one of those meta moments. And then um, really that kite solidifying relationships that had like started two summers before um, with, uh, you know, some of the co-madrichot who I lived in at Camp Roman Canada, the Shlichim were always um, live-ins. So I got to be with some madrichot and those, friends ended up being the ones who held my chuppah um, in my wedding in Jerusalem. You know, it was my Canadian friends, you know, that, that, that were there. So that to me is like, if, if you can make it to that place of like um, solidifying those relationships. And I know for so many shlichim, um, whether they came for one summer or more, that memory of what camp was for them and those relationships and the community and pluralistic Judaism and all that, like it sticks with them even if they don't come back. So I think those are my fondest Mishlachat memories. That's incredible. Like, yeah. I think as campers and counselors, Hanichim and Majichim, our Ramah years are very formative when we are campers at camp and mm -hmm. when we, you know, have those madrichim who really create that experience for us and we really feel like, oh, I want to live up to that experience and I want to create that experience for others. That's really incredible that you had such a formative time and such a impactful time as a shikah. Yeah. And it was like, at an, you know, I was your age. So to think that like, you know, you didn't have any of that prior Ramah experience, but it happens at the age of 20 or 22. Um, and I think that is really one of the most powerful things about Ramah. And we hear it from adults in their 40s who come for the first time to Ramah with their kids. And obviously, I don't expect like Hanichim or Mador, who are at Ramah, California, our first year, um, seven age, to like have that context of what this experience means for everybody else. But I do think it's one of those like glimpses. And I think probably when you become like a Roche Da, you start kind of seeing that because you're working with all these various people outside of your your Adar, your bubble. Um, and that is that moment where you kind of realize like, wow, you know, it, this, this really has a power kind of on everybody and influence. And, and yeah, you're right. Like it, I had one childhood friend who was holding one of the four poles of my chuppah, but the other three were my friends who, again, like flew in from Canada and America um, to, to be there at my wedding. And, and, and one of their parents came also because you know every day off I was at their house like just all of those pieces so those are like really meaningful connections wonderful thank you um okay so now you're at Camp Ramon California what was that switch like what went down enlighten us now I can take out the secret box. No, um, so <laughs> it's actually I, I I am proud because you know when uh, so I came to Ramah, California um, after the kites of 2012. Um, and today I think at Ramah, at Camp Ramah nationally, right, there's really this amazing spirit of both um, many young professionals. So, right, we didn't used to have that. Like every camp used to just have a director and an assistant director. Um, Ramah, California, I remember actually when I was at Camp Ramon, Canada, um, Erica Resnick was the program coordinator or program director and Camp Ramon, California was the only camp that had kind of like a third uh, professional. Mm -hmm. um, and today it's amazing. There's the Karim cohort that's um, specifically for all the young professionals working for Ramah, whether it's in programming, communications, you know, development, whatever it is, but all these amazing individuals in there you know, mid-20s, early 30s. Um, but when I kind of, 
and because I think as a result of that, people have kind of, and the specialty camps, like adding, you know, Ramon Rockies, Ramon Galim, Sports Academy. So there became more kind of that spirit of, you know, to create Ramon Galim, we have to send some Ramonics to, to kind of start that off. Um, but when I came to Ramon, California, it really, you really kind of stayed with your camp. There wasn't that um, same feeling of kind of people professionally trying out different camps. and. Um, and, and basically what had happened, I'd, I'd worked with um, uh, an amazing, an amazing man, Michael Wolf. He was the camp director at Campermine Canada. Um, he started that summer right after HB and we worked together. I was, you know, Rosh Mishlachat, Rosh Tsevet for a couple of years. And then um, Nachman and I were still in Israel. We were both in school and, um, and Michael said, you know, we're, we're look, we haven't had an assistant director for a couple of years. Would you like to be the summer assistant director just coming, you know, in the summer and being able to work from Israel during the year? And then in 2008, um, we were able to kind of make it a full-time gig and move to Toronto. We were ready for a little, you know, Chavaya. Didn't know that our little Chavaya would become 12 years later, another, <laughs> another camp and all that. But um, so so from 2008 to 2012 basically was the full time in Toronto and we had always planned on on going back to Israel after that and um once kind of Michael uh stopped as director there a new director came in and I was committed to kind of transitioning him in but then really the plan was to um move move back to Israel and then it was just one of these crazy life moments it was May 2012 and um, the new director did kind of sit down with me and see if there was an option for us to stay for another two years and um, kind of handed me uh, a potential contract. And then I was on my way to uh, the Shlichim seminar in Israel where we trained the Mishlachat. Um, and I had met Rabbi Joe once before, but he had just started at Camp Ramon, California. Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of said that they were in the search for, um, uh, at the time I was an associate director and he's like, would you be interested? And it was just this, like, again, today, I don't think it would have been the same kind of big deal, but at the time, you know, I had to have like, you know, conversations with Rabbi Mitch Cohen and with Joe and with the board and all that. And, and Nachman and I kind of thought about it and um, what was really special and something that I think a lot of um, Sevet, like your age or Rasheda or people who are kind of having that dilemma of like, do I go into Jewish education or do I go into something else? You know, so many of us have that feeling that like what we do at Camp Ramah may be the best thing that we'll ever do in our life. You know, like mm -hmm. that feeling of, um, of giving, of purpose, of collaboration, of meaning, of, you know, all of that. Like I hear it from Sevet all the time. Like how do, how do I make this my career? Um, and I think I was, you know, I, I studied Hebrew philosophy and theater production. Like I, I did not mean to go into Jewish <laughs> education at all, but I loved, you know, I loved the work. And when I was ready to move on, it was kind of this really hard feeling of like, I can't imagine anything, you know, I knew that like I had done what I could do at Camp Ramon Canada and I was ready to kind of hand it over to the next leadership team and they were going to be amazing. Um, but I wasn't ready to leave Ramon. And like that was the piece that I think it's really special that the, you know, 
that nationally we've changed that like you can have growth within the Ramah system and it doesn't have to be within your camp. Um, for me, it was a fluke. I didn't look for it. I wasn't planning it. Um, but, but it was like, I couldn't imagine what I would do after that. Like I, it seemed weird to go suddenly into formal day school or, you know, things like that. Um, and so Nachum and I looked at each other, we had two little kids and we were like, let's go on another adventure. Um, and we did, and I'm so happy we did because, um, I think, uh, really the LA Jewish community has become like our home. It's an amazing special community and the Camp Remind California community is just, um, incredible and matches so many of our values and my vision and, um, and allowed me, I think, the growth just as a, as a camp that's a little larger and has year-round operations and had the opportunity of growth into being camp director. Um, it was just an amazing, amazing opportunity and kind of those moments in life where you have dilemmas and, I'm, you know, while there are losses of things, you know, that we don't live next to family in Israel and things like that, I'm so happy that we made that move. Such a story. Wow. I know. I'm sorry. I have really long answers to all of your questions because everything is like a yeah. Jewish story of like, <laughs> this led to that, led to that. And then the people of Chelm, you know, came in. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really incredible. It feels like, you know, if one piece were off, if one, you know, cog in the machine was a little loose or something like that, maybe you like wouldn't be here today. So it's, that's really incredible to- It's so true. And I really, us. you know, I, I grew up, my, my dad is a Judaica artist and I grew up in a really creative home and creativity wasn't just about art. It was about the way you practice Judaism. It was a way about the way you problem solve, you know? And so I feel very lucky that I grew up in a home that like didn't say, you know, you study this and you have to go do this or you start in this career and you have to stay in that career, right? Now it's a little bit more common, but like, mm -hmm. um, but I really, I got that drive from my home of just kind of like trusting your instinct and going with it. And, and, and I really, I always tell people, I feel very lucky, like, Thank, thank God, you know, we are living in crazy times right now. And I feel very lucky that both kind of big career moves in my life kind of came to me and, and I needed to trust the process, but um, it, it was, it, it felt very, very um, the shared, like very kind of from above. And, and I think if you're open to it, those things kind of can come your way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially, I mean, even at my age, I'm a freshman in college, I'm thinking about going into Jewish education already yeah. at this point. So it's like really encouraging to see such a blossoming career in Jewish education. Yeah, totally. First of all, that's amazing to hear. <laughs> and, and I do think I say, I think it's like the blessing and the challenge, right? When you see Jewish education done in the way that it's done at Ramah, um, you know, it, it's hard to imagine anything else. And at the same time, if you look at some of the most incredible movements, Chavur Road, um, you know, communities that have popped up around North America, Israel, and really like everywhere, you know, there are places in Europe that are from people who have been influenced from Ramah. You see how like that can be done in other places and that amazing Ramahniks, both in legacy institutions and in like pop-up, you know, institutions are, are doing amazing, amazing things. Those what you were saying about kind of like the umbrella culture of Ramah camps being the same, if you like close your eyes and talk to any Ramahnik, they could all be from, you know, whichever camp but also each camp having their own subculture that's very unique to them. I think that's a true marker of success that 
You're so, so you right. Really yeah. Retain that individuality in kind of this incredible community that looks the same no matter where you are geographically. Yeah, no, you're so right. And I think you like nailed it in the sense that like if an outsider looked, they wouldn't know the differentiation, right? Like it would just all look like everybody received this incredible upbringing and product. But if you kind of start talking to them for more than five minutes, right, then you do kind of see the, the nuances. And I think you're right. Like, that's, that's the greatest success. Um, it's like what I think about in raising children, right? Like, mm -hmm. you want all of your children to be raised with kind of the basics of being, you know, mensches and having those values. But you do want each one, like, like I, I would love, you know, my dream would be if my kids, like, went out into the world and they were like, oh, wow, those Moss Peter style kids, like, you can see that they're Moss Peters. <laughs> <laughs> but this one took it that way. This one took it that way. This one took it that way. And I, I think you're right. Like that's the success of like education and of, um, you know, as, as a product, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, we're on the right path. Good job, yeah. And we see it with the newer camps. Like it's amazing camps that have existed for two years and camps that have existed for 70 years and kids are coming out with the same spirit. Like that's mm -hmm. unheard of, you know, it's incredible. Speaking of National Ramat, we should be wrapping up soon, but I have one last question for you. Yeah. This has so, been so fun, Talia. Thank you. Yeah. We don't have time to sit down like I this. Know. I'm so glad. No, Such a kavod. Thank you. Um, so times in the past 10 years have been changing astrono astronomically. We can even say the past three months, times have really changed. Um, but looking forward to the next 10 years, what's your vision for National Ramat? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible what National Ramah have done over the last 10 years. And really, um, I feel very lucky that I have, you know, professional but also personal relationships with Mitch and Amy. Um, Amy and I led one of the first Roche Dot trips to Argentina. Fun fact. Um, and and uh, still still have great memories from that. But I, I think, you know, it starts with that, that we have really two incredible visionary leaders um, at the forefront. And I'm really grateful for their work. Um, you know, I, I think it, you're right. It's like somebody's been talking a lot about BC and AC before Corona and after Corona. Mm -hmm. So like B, BC, um, I would have told you that I think you know, National Ramah was moving in the direction of really, I think, first of all, prioritizing Tsevet wellness. I think there was a huge kind of, um, a huge push for camper care over the last 10 years. Like if we look at what has developed that every camp has now a director of camper care and a medical mm -hmm. director and just like all of those pieces that like used to just all be under the camp director. Um, like it's crazy how we've grown in those last 10 years and grown in camps. Um, so I, I think those were going to be like the next big priorities were kind of Tsevet wellness um, and engaging families year round and just mm -hmm. like, and, and the teen landscape. Like I think teen goes into Tsevet as well, but even like our older Hanichim, just looking at what um, Jewish teens are doing. I just finished a year and a half fellowship with the Jewish Education Project that was all about um, Jewish teen education and just how we don't have that drop off after B'nai Mitzvah. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, which again at Ramah, we don't see as much. We, we do see it a little bit. Like we lose a lot of boys um, after B'nai Mitzvah. Um, but, you know, I think that that was kind of the direction. And I, st- and I still believe that it, it will be. But I do think that um, AC after Corona um, also raises questions just, uh, I mean, definitely also kind of wellness. And, and this has been you know, tragic, I think, for so many of our um, cohorts. And as we're navigating kind of decisions for this kite, really looking at, you know, the oldest chanichim, machon, nevonim, alonim, whatever you call them, like mm-hmm. just them potentially not having this summer in the way that, you know, they thought they would, even if they have, you know, a piece of it or whatever, like it's not going to be as they imagine. I think for our Mador group, our JC group, right? Like that piece of your first year Tzavit experience and not having that as you knew it or as you know it, along with not having your senior graduation and all that. And then I think our first year Rashi Da, like mm-hmm. not having your senior graduation and not having that. Um, so there are like a few, I mean, it's a struggle for everybody, but I think there are a few kind of groups. Um, and then of course our Tikva, Chanichem and Sevet, I think have been really on our mind of just what it means to have these three months closed at home and potentially not having the kites, which in normal times is like what they wait for all year, them and their families. So, you know, we're not like saying who's more important, but I do think there are some cohorts that this hits a little bit differently mm-hmm. um, while mm-hmm. it hits everybody. Um, and and I think we will kind of wellness overall, I think will be a big piece, right? Like how are we accommodating kids that have gone through this as first time Hanichim? And what does it mean? You know, on one hand, I could see that the value of camping for parents has become, I think, more present than ever, right? Like mm-hmm. seeing how important it is to be out in nature and away from your family and all that. I could see a rise you know, happening nationally of Jewish camping and camping overall, just like next summer getting this like huge surge. And I could see that like, you know, we've all become a little bit more fearful and, uh, and letting your kids kind of out of your sight may be a little harder. So I do think at least in the next two, three years, that's going to be like a national conversation. Um, and I, and I, one of the, the blessings and pluses that I really hope we are able as a Jewish community to take out of this is just realizing that we're stronger together. And I think that was something that like a lot of, you know, more forward thinking organizations were trying to start doing of like, we don't each need to work in our silos, but I think through this experience, people are really realizing it and the amount of organizations and individuals who have reached out to me and said like, instead of me offering a Zoom and you offering a Zoom and, you know, like, and, and, and that I think is the real kind of, I always try to look at challenging opportunities as, um, you know, good opportunities as well and as blessings in disguise. And I do think that collaboration in the Jewish community, right? Finances being harder. So like people not being able to each work alone, but having to work together. Um, I, I think nationally, that's what's going to be exciting. Some collaborations. Um, and I think you know, one last piece is we've all stretched our muscles to do year round engagement in the last three months in a way that we've all always dreamed of doing, but didn't have the time to do because we were traveling and running and recruiting. And like, Mm -hmm. if you just look at what each camp has offered um, virtually, it's more than we've offered in the last 10 years, right? In in a chunk of three months. So I think that will be one of those like realizations of like, oh, we can do that and, and, and really engaging people. 
mm -hmm. um, during the year and together. So, you know, I would say partnerships, reimagining what year round can look like and, um, and wellness. I love that. It's going to be a true moment of growth. Hashtag Mog, if you Mog, will. M-O-G. <laughs> Let's bring back Mog. You're the, you're the OG M-O-G, Talia. <laughs> um, this was absolutely lovely. Thank you so much for, quote unquote, sitting down with me now. Um, I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate it. So much love. And thank you for doing my trial run for my family podcast. It's called <laughs> Family Quarantine. I'm going to um, give it a little plug. Where um, can we find it online? Not yet. It will be on iTunes, but it was my kid's idea. And um, also just a podcast talking about what it means to be um, a family close together during this time. So uh, family quarantine. Um, and uh, thank you, Talia. Thank you for being uh, such a dogma of uh, starting some of these incredible, um, you know, creative ideas in this podcast with other Weinstein fellows. And thank you for your time and commitment to Ramon. You're welcome. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Bye. Shalom. And thank you for tuning in to Kol if you're looking for more information about Camp Ramah overnight and day camps, Israel programs, year-round events, and virtual offerings, please visit our website at www.campramah.org. Mm -hmm.